Acts series today. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 5. We're going to be doing a lot of verses. We're going to be going from 12 all the way through uh, the end of the chapter 42. Um, But let's start with prayer. Father God, we are so grateful to, to rejoice. Rejoice in your name. Rejoice in people displaying their faith in your name through baptism. We're so grateful to be here today to study your word. I just ask Holy Spirit that you calm our distractions, you calm our hearts, you soften our hearts so that we can take today's message, we can search our lives, we can search ourselves out, and we can find the areas where we can grasp a hold of your word and we can use it to walk out and to know you better and help others know you better. It's in your son's beautiful name I pray, amen. So Acts chapter 5, um, like I said, we'll be going 12 through 42. We're going to do, um, we'll probably do 12 through 16 at first and then we'll stop. But first I just want to like kind of backtrack and re- recap because we're kind of highlighting some certain things throughout the book of Acts. But we don't ever want to leave anything out and have you wondering what's happened or what's going on. So um, as you recall from last week... Um, Peter and John were arrested, they were imprisoned, and they were set free, and they were told to stop preaching the name of Jesus. And when they got out, the next thing that happens in that chapter is they they go back, and they find their friends, and they go to their friends, and they tell them what's happened, they tell them they, they were arrested, they tell them that they were set free, and they sit down together, and they pray, and they pray for boldness, and Um, there's no mistaking that their prayers are heard. The building that they're in begins to shake and tremble. And they, um, at that point that they, they take the warning for what it was a warning and they keep moving forward and sharing the gospel. They come together and they begin to share everything. They come together and they begin to sell their possessions and everybody is taking everything and, and setting it aside for the church so that nobody has to go without. Nobody's left without. Nobody's left to find their own food or anything. They all come together and start sharing their possessions. And then there's a couple who sees this going on, and this couple is like, sees that everyone's coming together with a glad heart, and they're sharing in everything, and they're like, huh, I want some of that. Look, I, what they're doing is nice, and I don't know what the motivation was. The Bible doesn't tell us whether it was greed wanting to hold some of their money back, whether it was um, maybe a lack of faith where they were just worried about turning everything over. They held back some of the money from the land they sold, and they kept it for themselves. And Peter tells him, look, why have you contrived this to to lie to the Holy Spirit? And first, the husband, boom, drops dead. The wife comes in, and she confirms his lie and lies along with him, and boom, she drops dead as well. And then um, from that point, um, it kind of gets us caught up to where we're going to be at today, uh, starting in chapter 12. But first, I want to ask a couple questions, and... um, this is the point where um, I kind of want, I want some feedback. I want to hear from you guys a little bit. I want to hear um, your thoughts and the things on your heart. So um, who, has, who here feels like God has set you free from some type of prison? Whether it, like, you guys know my story. God set me free from the, the dungeons of addiction, you know? And there's anxiety, depression, um, 
abusive relationships, shame, guilt, pride. There's so many things that encapsulate us and imprison us. Does, does anybody here feel like God has set them free from some type of prison like that? Do you guys mind like sharing just a couple words on what it was? Or It's all right. You get a hall pass. <laughs> Amen. Awesome. Awesome. So he set her free from that prison of drinking. Anybody else? Freedom, set, set free from fear. Lisa, what do you got? Amen. Set her free. All right. Next question is, um, when you guys are at home, whether you're studying your Bible um, at home or like listening to it as you drive somewhere or something, when you're in God's word and you're studying God's word, do you feel like God's word is speaking directly to you at any point? At times, right? Does anybody like have have that certain verse that they remember or anything that like you felt like God was speaking to you through that? Nice. Yeah, so that's what we're going to kind of look at today is we're going to look at some um, gentlemen that were once again imprisoned 
and they were visited by an angel, and they were given direction. So we're going to jump in first. We're going to start off in verse 12. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, least his shadow might fall on some of them. And as the people, as they gathered from town to town, to Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Um, and then it goes in, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the door, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what, would come, what this would come to. And someone came to them and told them, Look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you have intended to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, Take care of what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Thuidus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan is an undertaking of man... It will fail, but if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching 
that Christ is Jesus. That's God's word. Um, so now what we're going to do is we're kind of going to jump back to the beginning of these, and we're going to kind of go through it a little bit section by section, and we're just going to unpack some of these verses and, and see what it's telling us and what we can gather from it. So we jump back to verse 12. It says, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. So they're gathered together, and um, they're doing all these signs and wonders. They're healing people. People are being saved, and it's growing at such an alarming rate that they've never seen nothing like that before. I I don't know the specifics, the size of the temple and the square footage and stuff, but it I imagine them being in Solomon's portico because of the amount of growth that's going on. First, 3,000 people were saved. And then following with the healing of the lame man, 5,000 men were saved. And then he says the men were saved. So you can take into account women and children and their families. Like, it's crazy to picture where the number is. So all of this is happening, and, and word is spreading. So in verse 13 to 14, it says um, that they were bringing people from other towns, and they were lining them in the street that maybe Peter's shadow might fall upon them. And so, you know, even though there was this fear of the leaders, there was such uh, traction, and the, the church was growing at such an alarming rate that people were coming from town to town and they were coming because they were hearing of these miracles. And it's like if, if Peter and John were here and the church was at its growth right now and people are coming from East Carbon and Wellington and Helper and Huntington and you, we walk out and they just line the street right here so that a shadow might fall on them. And all these things were happening. People were being healed. Um, unclean spirits were being cast out of people. And at, at this point, they, they get... Um, They're coming together, not just as a group of followers, but as a family. And they start to share everything. And, uh, oh, wait, I backtrack on that. And then that brings us up to where, like, if we recall last week, um, they were arrested. They were told to stop preaching in Jesus' name. And so now we have these same people of power that arrested them last week here again. Can you jump to verse 17? 17 and 18 will do. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. Go back to 17 real quick. There's one word I want to key in on this for a minute. And they were filled with jealousy. Jealousy, at this point, it implies that it became personal. It wasn't that the fact that people were being healed that demons were being cast out. Jealousy implies here that it's personal. We arrested you last week. We told you, stop preaching in this name. And here you are. You're, you're doing it again. And now look, there's more people out there with you in the portico than maybe in here with us. There, there's a jealousy arised where it made it personal. I think at times we try to make church personal. We come, we may attend one Sunday, and we say, oh, Nick was kind of off-key on his songs. It, it, it wasn't the best song choice. Uh, the coffee wasn't that great in the lobby. I think it might have been from the week before. I'm not sure. And, uh, you know, the, the temperature wasn't set right. It, it was too hot. The message wasn't great. And we try and personalize it. We try and make it about us. We're taking the glory 
from the cross, from God where it should be, and we're personalizing it. And that's what we see these guys doing here. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, is God sitting up there, seeing how we're handling service, hearing the song choice, hearing if people enjoyed the coffee, hearing the little things that we make personal and we grumble about. Is he up there looking down on us and those things? He's focused on the fact, is this church gathered with the one central belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he came and he died and he was buried and he was raised again on the third day? That's what the focus on. And that's what, that's what Peter and the apostles are focusing on here. Um, if we look at verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Notice life, in a capital letter. Go ahead and go to 21. And when they had heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. We'll stop right there for now. So they're arrested. They're placed into this prison again. And an angel of the Lord comes in at night. And he comes in. And gets in there. He doesn't awake the guards. There's not this big commotion. It's not like a, a jailbreak like that you see in an action movie where something shoots through the wall and the prongs come out and they rip the gates off. Like he goes in there unnoticed and he, he wakes them up and he's there and he's like, I'm going to set you free. With the persecution of Jesus already happening in the past, with the fact that they've been arrested twice in the same week, it would be really easy to be like, all right, you get us out of here and we're gone. But no, he gives them instruction. He says, go out into the temple and tell the people all the words of this life. Life being capitalized because he says, go tell them of the bread of life, the living water, Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you guys could imagine it, but imagine being arrested for something thrown into jail, someone coming, getting you out and saying, go back and do that again. We don't hear that often in our time because usually when we're arrested, we're arrested for doing something wrong. And people don't want you to continue to do wrong. These guys are arrested for preaching Jesus and he tells them, go back out and continue to tell the people all the words of this life. Um, it would have been very easy for the apostles to be like, man, this is twice. We know what happened with Jesus. Like, this is getting out of control. Let's go regroup. Let's go get together somewhere, formulate a plan, and regroup. They don't do it. They were set free from prison, and they were given instruction. And they go back to the temple, and they go back, and they just continue like they never left off. They start sharing the words of all this life with the people. They were commissioned to do this by Jesus, we remember. Wait until I give you instruction and you receive the promise and then go and tell people. Um, we'll take back off right here on 23, now, or 21. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all of the senate, all of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported... We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. So 
the high priest is like, I got these guys again. They were preaching Jesus. I have them. Go to the prison. We're going to have a talk with these guys. Go get them. Bring them here. And so um, I, I just picture this as I was studying this from each person's perspective. So you got the guy that was sent to the prison to find these men. And he goes there and he sees, he's passing the guards. Bill, Tom, morning guys. And he goes in and he, unlocks, he opens it and there's nobody. At that moment, how do you think that guy felt? He's like, oh, man, I only had one job, and they're not here. So he probably turns to the guards like, these guys are not here. Where are they? They're like, I've been here all night. I don't know. And they go back, and they report to them, hey, they're not here. They're not in there. And... It's at that point when the announcement is made. I don't know the tone. I don't know how it was told. It could have been the guy went back and said, hey, um, they're not there. And we talked earlier of jealousy. I'm sure at that moment when that announcement was made that they weren't there, that some pride jumped in and joined that jealousy. What do you mean they're not there? I had them arrested. Where are they? So we'll jump to verse 24. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what, would come of, what this would come to. And someone came in and said, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And then the captain with the officers went and brought them in, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. So um, at first they're complex, they're confused, like, what do you mean they're not there? What's, yeah, they're there, it was locked. What do you mean they're not there? And then I think it starts to hit in their mind, like, man, they have all of these followers. Who could it have been? How did they do it? How did they get out of there? And then the announcement is made. And I don't know if this guy was like, thought he was being helpful. I don't know his tone. He could have came in and been like, sir, sir, I found them. The people that you had arrested, they're right there. They're in the temple teaching the people. I think no matter what his tone was, he probably heard it like a slap in the face. (laughs) The men that you arrested, they're outside again teaching the people. And at this, he took offense right there. We see it where he says, um, they were angered and they brought them not by force. If, if you have to point out that you brought them back, but not by force, it probably implies that they were, they were pretty angry. Because if you were just going to bring someone back anyway, it wouldn't be by force. They had to control themselves. There was that point where they were like, man, these guys again. And they go and, and they drag them back in. Um, A little story, uh, in 1600, a man by the name of John, he, he was what they called a tinker. He fixed pots and pans, and um, when he became saved, he began to go out into the streets, and he would go out into the streets, and he would tell people about Jesus Christ, and he would stand in the streets, and he would preach the gospel of Jesus to people. And this man, he was arrested, and they hauled, him off to, they hauled him off to prison, and then he was brought in front of the magistrate, and the magistrate said, look, John, I know you have a family. 
I know you have a wife and kids that you need to, to take care of and you need to be out there to support them. I have a way that you can get yourself out of this. I will release you if you stop gathering in the streets and preaching without a license. And John looked the magistrate in the eye and he looked him in the eye and he said, Sir, if you release me, I'll be out in the streets again preaching by noon. They hauled him back off to prison. He was kept there for 12 years. And while he was there for the 12 years, he continued to support his family. He hand-wove shoelaces from the prison so that he could support his family while he was out there. During his time in prison, he wrote two books, and one being A Pilgrim's Progress. His name was John Bunyan. And there was those times when he was out in the streets preaching that people would gather and listen to him. And um, there was a gentleman there that was listening to him one day, and um, he heard his message, and he was called in by some of the people he knows. And this guy was an esteemed theologian, an esteemed scholar. He had all of the degrees, and uh, they called him in, and they're like, why are you out in the slums listening to the message from the tinker? And he responded to them, I would gladly trade all of my knowledge for the gift that this man has and the courage this man has in sharing the gospel. And that's what we see going on with the apostles here. Um, we see these Jewish leaders. We see the religious leaders of the time. They have all of the knowledge. They have their um, religious policies and beliefs but they're not willing to trade them for the heart of sharing the gospel. So they drag them off, or drag them back in, and they're careful not to do it with force out in public where all the people are gathered, where all their believers are gathered. They're feared they may become, be stoned. So they bring them back in, I don't know about gently, but they bring them, it says, not by force, which is the case out in public. It won't be the case in private. Um, can we jump to 27? There we go. You're on it, Katie. And when they had brought them, they set, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Notice right there where the offense lies. Not to teach in this name. Yet, here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Well, yeah. They brought the blood on themselves when they killed him. But what I wanted to point out was where the offense lied. It wasn't the offense that they were healing people. It wasn't the offense that more and more people were believing or demons were being cast out. The offense was in the name that they didn't even say. They didn't even say Jesus' name. They said, we strictly ordered you not to teach in this name. It, it sends them into a state of denial almost. Like, look, you're intending to put this man's blood on us. You're spreading your teaching all through the city. They're trying to squash that. They're trying to stop this teaching from spreading past Jerusalem into the other cities, but didn't work. Because here we are, in Christ, today, listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't listen. 
Verse 29 through 32. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And, the, and we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were enraged, and they wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council, a man named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care of what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up, and in the days of the census, and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who were, followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And we'll stop right there for a minute. So here we have Peter and the other apostles arrested and charged. Look. Stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Stop doing this. And what does Peter do? He takes that chance to hop into his second sermon, which is really similar to his first. He sticks to the scripts. He doesn't waver. But he's looking in the face of these people that are saying, Stop preaching Jesus. And what does he do? He preaches Jesus to them. He says, Look. The God of our fathers raised him up. You killed him. You rejected him. He tells them, God sent him to grant forgiveness of sins through repentance. And then, as this is going on, I, I, I picture it getting really heated, boiling steam out of the teapot, and, and they're angered. And then, a voice of reason comes. It's an unlikely voice of reason that says, hey guys, hold on a minute. Send them outside and let's talk about this. Um, the voice, unlikely voice of reason is Gamaliel, the um, Jewish teacher. And he's the one that tells them, look, there was this guy. He had these followers. There was uh, Judas the Galilean. He had these followers. He's like, look, we've seen this before. If this is of man, it's going to fail. But if this is of God, you're not going to stop it. You might even be found opposing him. And I don't know if we'd go as far to say uh, that they were opposing him when they lied to the Holy Spirit. But we've seen at the beginning what happens to people that were opposing God. Ananias and Sapphira, they dropped dead. So he comes to them with this warning. And the reason I like to point out that he's an unlikely voice of reason is um, Gamaliel, he was an esteemed teacher of the Jewish law. He was actually the teacher who taught Saul of Tarsus before he was changed 
before he was converted into the Apostle Paul. He says later in Acts chapter 23, I believe, that he was a teacher at the feet of Gamaliel. So this man that raised up Paul to go through all of uh, Jerusalem, kicking in doors, dragging out Christians, having them drug off and arrested, this same man that taught him is now the voice of reason for the apostles. And, and then we'll go to 40 through 42. And when they had... Uh, had called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. They beat them and let them go. If we know anything about this time period, is it was brutal. This wasn't a beating where you get smacked around a little bit, roughed up like you see in a TV show. I picture these men beaten, bloody, 39 lashings, I think they call it, without one, like right to the verge of death and drug out and sent to not do this anymore. And they beat them to break their spirits because they know on the surface what's going on. They could see logistically that they're reaching numbers of around 15,000 followers now. They can see that the people are getting angered when they keep dragging them off and arresting them. They cannot stop what they're doing. So they try and break their spirits. That's the only thing they can attack is like, look, these men, they're stubborn. They're some brutes. Let's try and break their spirits. So they beat them. And it would have been very easy to be arrested and, and, and released and run off when you were released. But no, they went back to the temple. And after receiving this beating, they left rejoicing that they were worthy to be beaten for the Lord. They were grateful for it. I don't know what it is that we go through, what kind of persecutions we face. But I know that we're not beaten within inches of our lives so whatever it is, whatever you face, whether it's judgment from somebody, rejoice that you're being judged for something like loving the Lord. And, and the last part is my favorite. And they continued to, from house to house and they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. So um, when we started, you know, some of you shared that and raised your hand that, that God has set you free from a prison, that God has released you from certain things. And, so, and I've seen some of you guys raise your hands that you have certain verses that speak to you, that you feel God is sharing, speaking his word to you. I just want to urge us and remind us that all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is is speaking to us. And it becomes really easy to find the feel-good verses or, or the places we're comfortable in and the, the things we're comfortable doing and, and just becoming stagnant in those areas, just hovering in those things. So I want to urge us as a church that, like these guys, we're set free from a prison we're set free and we're called to go out and we're called to share the gospel in our homes, in our cities, in our families, in our workplaces. And I know, yeah, it can be scary. It can be intimidating. 
It can be awkward, that conversation, breaching that. I'm sure it was scary and intimidating being set free from prison and going back out into the temple. But they followed God's direction. And we are too. Um, We're commissioned to share the gospel. I know it's not easy, but it wasn't easy for them either. We've seen earlier in chapter 4, they gathered together, which we can do. We can gather together as a church and we can be like, look, how are we going to reach our city? How are we going to reach our town? How are we going to reach the people around us in our workplace, the, the lost and the broken? It's scary to do this. I know. It scares me too. But we come together and we do what they did. And we can pray. We can pray for boldness to go out and to share in our areas. Um, let's do that right now. Father God, we know it's intimidating at times. We know it's not always comfortable. We know it's easier to get wrapped up in what we feel safe. But you've called us, God. You've called us to go out and to share the gospel. You've called us to further your kingdom to help people to know you better. God, I pray right now for all of us in here in Gospel Community Church that you would send your Holy Spirit to give us courage, to give us boldness, to go out into our towns, into our workplaces, to our families, and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I ask you to strike aside any fear, any doubt, any tricks that the enemy tries to use against us to keep us from furthering your word. We cast those out in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we're so grateful that we're gathered here today and that we're going to have people come up here in a moment and profess their faith through baptism. God, continue to work in our lives, continue to work in our hearts, continue to shape us and mold us into the image of the Father. We love you, and it's in your Son's precious and beautiful name I pray. Amen. All right.